And we're going to conclude by looking at Colossians chapter 1 and getting some exhortations out of this. When I was a teenager, we lived in Berlin, Germany, back when it was a divided city and the wall was up. And just about anywhere you would go, you would run into this sign that said, you are now leaving the American sector. And then there was this barrier that was up, and it was called the Berlin Wall. Those of you who are younger, you ought to read about it. It was kind of the focal point of the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union right there in Berlin, and that's where we lived. I got to thinking about that, and I thought about what we talked about this morning. Why don't people want to worship? There's a hymn that says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Other people have taken that hymn and said, prone to worship, Lord, I feel it, prone to serve the God I love. Well, you know what? There's a little bit of truth in both of those things. Now, if you're lost, you don't care about worship. But if you're saved, you have a drawing in your heart from the Holy Spirit to worship and to serve the Lord. But you don't. You don't always do it. You don't always have that sweet fellowship with the Lord, and I wanted to know why. Well, in Colossians chapter 1, we get some ideas about worship barriers, worship killers in here, and the first one would be this. We'll say this, and then we'll read the scripture that follows. Number one would be because you're wise in your own eyes. You're wise in your own eyes. Look what the scripture says. If then you are raised with Christ, and that's every born-again believer, Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You see, the bottom line is you don't worship because you don't really think you need to. You think you're smart enough. You think you're good enough. You think you're on track enough, and it's not really all that big a deal. Now, let a tragedy come into your life. Let some sorrow come into your life. Let something that rattles your world come into your life, and then you will run to the Lord, and you'll run to prayer. But when everything's kind of going well, ah, I'm good enough the way that I am. You need to check your mind. It's probably not set on things above. Secondly, this really speaks to the world in which we live. Immorality is a barrier to worship. I don't know of anything that will kill your desire to worship and your passion for worship than sin, especially sexual sin. That's even named here. Therefore, because of what was written above, verse 5, put to death your members, that means the parts of your body, which are on the earth, here they are, Fornication, you've got to put it to death. You don't indulge it. You don't participate in it. You don't try to control it. You are to kill it, the Bible says. It's an enemy of your soul. It's an enemy of your life. It's an enemy of everything that you really want out of life. Passion, and that's talking about sexual passion outside of marriage. And evil desire, that would be lustful thinking. And covetousness, that's when you want something, and think about this in a sexual sense, that you're not supposed to have. Someone else's wife, someone else's husband, somebody that you are not married to. Okay, 
Put those things to death because the Bible says that covetousness, you ready for this, is idolatry. You're a golden calf worshiper, in other words. You're no better than any of those. And it goes on to say, here's why it ought to alarm you when you as a Christian get involved in pornography or sexual sin. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. And so what is a worship barrier on all of this? Immorality. Why? Because you live like a lost person, and a lost person is a non-worshipper. Why would you expect to be any different? If you're acting like them in sin, why do you expect to be different from them in your walk with the Lord? Well, it's not. You look like a lost person, and lost people don't worship. Thirdly, how about the pride of doing only the minor sins? I mean, I'm not a sinner like them. I don't do the big sins. Some of you might have been a little shocked to find out that there was a lady who had a ministry to prostitutes. Sex trafficking, we call it today. Back in the 1800s, it's always been around. There's nothing new under the sun. And we might look and say, well, at least I don't do anything like that. Well, listen to Paul, verse 8. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things. Anger. Anybody got any problem with anger? Don't indulge it. Put it off. Wrath. That's the expression of your anger. Malice. When you want bad things to happen to other people. Blasphemy. When you're frustrated and aggravated with God. Filthy language. Whether you say them or not. If they're in your heart, whether you cover it up with an acceptable word, we don't say hell, we say heck. We don't say damn, we say darn or dang. Think about those kind of things. We mean the same thing, we just don't say it. We keep it covered up, we keep it hidden. This is what Paul is talking about. Do not lie to one another. Oh yeah, you look beautiful in that. Why do we do that? Because we have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man that Christ gave us who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, uncircumcised nor circumcised. There is uh, no barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, But Christ is all and in all. Why do I call these minor sins? They're pretty heavy and they're bad. But these are the kind of sins that by and large, not not every one of them, but by and large, they're sins of the heart. We keep it quiet. We want to cuss, but we don't because our children are listening. Well, that doesn't address the heart. I'm glad you don't cuss in front of your children or your grandchildren, but the problem is your heart. Your heart. Notice in here that he says at the very end of this thing, there's no neither uh, Jew nor Greek or slave or free or anything. You know what he's talking about there? You can be a racist and never ever express it. Oh, I don't have any prejudice until someone of a different color moves in next door to you. Right? 
until those kind of things happen, Paul addresses all of these kind of things. And we kind of make a way, well, I'm just a person who says what I think. You're a fool. You're a fool. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that it's better to be silent than to speak and to let people know you're a fool. It also says, well, I just had to vent. It also says that a fool has to vent everything that's in him. A wise person knows how to be quiet, right? Now, that's not the whole issue because you need to deal with what's inside of you. And if you can deal with what's inside of you, then the bad stuff doesn't come out. You see what happens? And so when it comes to gossip, when it comes to some of these things that we have, oh, that's only normal, and that's not as bad as being a prostitute, that's not as bad as being a drug dealer, that's not as bad as being drunk, that's not as bad as beating your wife. I mean, I only do the minor acceptable things. Paul says even that has to be put off. Why? Because those are keeping us from actually worshiping the Lord. And then the last thing, notice, disregarding relationships. A lot of people come to church and they feel nothing, they express nothing, and they enjoy nothing because they're not right with other people. And the Bible says you cannot say, I love God and hate your brother. Well, that would include your wife. That would include your husband. That would include your parents. Relationships are to be right with one another. And so he says in verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Is that the way you act toward other people? Kindness. Not road rage, not being all upset. Kindness. Humility. You put others first. Meekness. You're under control. Long-suffering. You put up with other people because you know that if they're lost, they can't help but act like lost people. And we even know that even saved people in the church, we still have our depravity, we still have our flesh that pops up every once in a while, right? Don't look spiritual at me. You know I'm telling you the truth. I could name names, couldn't I? could name names. And the Bible says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, here it is, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And here's the deal. We can't worship because we really don't love and we really don't treat others right. Is that practical enough for you? Because that's where the Colossians lived. And the reason it's included in the Word of God is because this is where fallen humans, sinners like us, this is where we live. We just don't do that. Our minds wander and our minds are set on all kinds of things, right? And so we're to set our minds on Christ so that we can really worship. But in setting our mind on Christ, we've got to get these other things right. And so my exhortation to you as at the end of a night of worship is repent so that you can really worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Because the truth of the matter is, if you harbor these things in your heart, or if you were living this way, you're not worshiping in truth, you're worshiping in hypocrisy. And we want to get to where we worship in spirit and in truth, where the spirit is not grieved, and where the truth is not compromised, because we live what we say we believe. And after all, that's what this world needs. What the world needs now is Christians 
who will live what they believe and be true worshipers of God. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Got anything that we just listed here that you need to make right with God, that you need to repent of? Anything that is hindering you and your walk with God and your worship of the true and living God? Why don't you pray about that? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. Boy, that's so good. From all unrighteousness. That's why Jesus died. To pay for your sin and to liberate you from the power of sin as time goes by. You'll never be free from it completely until you get to heaven. But you can be liberated from its power while you walk on earth. Even in the little things, even in the hidden things. So that you can worship freely. Heavenly Father, that sounds so good. To worship freely and we know that's what heaven will be like. But we want to taste a little bit of heaven while we're here on earth. And we don't want anything to be between our soul and the Savior. And forgive us when we let these barriers come up. When we get prideful and think we just don't need to. Why would I worship? Everything's okay. We need it. We need the every hour, the old hymn says. Forgive us when we think about immoralities that we allow into our lives. People that are looking and lusting and coveting and maybe even involved sexually outside of marriage. And then they wonder why they don't have a passion for God. Why the fire is not burning. It's cooled off. We think about people that only engage in the minor acceptable sins. And they are looking at what other people say and what society says instead of you. You don't accept any of it. And Jesus died for all of it. May we never ever indulge ourselves with something for which Jesus had to die. And then, Lord, for relationships. May we love our God supremely, and may we love each other too. May we love sinners. May we love people who have failed. And may we be there to help them. May we be there to point them in the right direction, to meet a need in their life, to be a, 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 a person or a church that pushes people in the right direction instead of standing in their way. That's what we always want to do. And we do it for your glory and as worshipers of Christ. And so we thank you for this night. Thank you for Brother Dale. And thank you for the uh, things that we've been able to do and to experience. And for the good memories some of those hymns stir up. But our prayer is mainly that it would all be to your glory. If there's anyone here that's not saved, I pray tonight they would think about these things and put their full trust in Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection as payment for their sins and surrender to him as the Lord, the master, the boss of their life. And may all believers live that way as well. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, thanking you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.